Welcome in to Talking Terps, a show which covers University of Maryland basketball and football. Talking Terps is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Terrapins. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome into Talking Terps. I'm your host, Zach Kiesel. Talking Terps is brought to you courtesy of Mercer Floor and Home, Carpet One. Mercer is a third-generation family business that was established in 1959 and is located on Main Street in beautiful, historic downtown Westminster, Maryland of Carroll County. For all of your flooring needs, think Mercer. So the week has finally come. We've been hyping up this week um, since pretty much before the season started and over the course of the last few weeks. And Maryland is finally going to face off against number five, Iowa, on Friday night. So here to help me break down that game and take a look at what we saw in the Kent State game, my co-host, Mike Popovic, Pat Donahue. Pat, how's it going, man? It's going well, Zach. Excited for this game uh, on Friday. And, um, you know, this this will be the the true benchmark for for you know what this Terps team is, and your your Eagles didn't have as as good a. Uh, a Why are you gonna bring that up, Zach? Like, we're, we're supposed Look, to like, like because, because Mike and I are Ravens fans, and I had yeah. To talk so that means you guys are spoiled. In like what fifteen years, you got two Super Bowls, and like even in a down season, you still beat the Chiefs. Like what? What are we talking about here? And like, we have the best you, kicker. You guys in don't NFL even history. have an inkling of a clue what it's like to be a tormented Philadelphia fan and not just the Eagles. I mean, all of our sports teams are horrifically bad. We have all sorts of drama with our athletes. It's horrible. It's horrible. As an Orioles fan and a Maryland fan, I have enough pain in my life, but well, I hear you. I hear you. I feel you on the Maryland Mike, part. how are you? I'm, I'm doing better than Pat is. And, <laughs> hey, numbers, Cowboys losses hurt different, man. Pat, it, it, but, that was a bad one. Pat, if I go on a pro, on ProReference.com or whatever it is, and I look back at the Eagles' records going back to 2000, you got a lot of more wins oh, yeah. than during that, no show. doubt, no yeah, doubt. I, was, I mean, I always hear that, like, well, as Eagles fans were tormented, <laughs> you guys have had a hell of a lot of good seasons. Well, throughout the history, I mean, I, I shouldn't complain too much. Throughout the majority of my lifetime, they've been pretty successful. We did yeah. win the one Super Bowl. It did take the franchise that entire time, you know, seventy-five years, I think it was, to win a Super Bowl. Um, but overall, the 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 franchise's history, in in a in a nutshell. Not that successful, well, other, other than Andy Reid and, and Doug Peterson. <laughs> but I will well, say, be a dick for meal had a nice right, meal. right. And even though the Cowboys took us to the woodshed on Monday night, I will say, not worried about them winning anything anytime soon. And we have been to six NFC Championship games since the last time they've even won anything in the playoffs. So right. don't want to hear from the Cowboys fans. We're we're still, you know the class of the NFC East for the last 30 years. <laughs> Mike, Mike, we had to suffer as well. Mike, we had to suffer through the days of Kyle Bowler and Anthony Wright and Stoney case. And just you guys don't need quarterbacks. Yeah. You guys don't need quarterbacks. You won one with Trent Dilfer. Like it's true. Well, that's true. Old, style, old school style football. Well, that was a different NFL at the time, but we, we deserve to have back-to-back successful quarterbacks of Flacco and Jackson, because we went through Zach, what about 15 to 18 different quarterbacks from we'll say 2001, 2002 through 2008, it, it was a wasteland. It really, yeah. was. if the Eagles don't turn it around soon, you might see Flacco as our starting quarterback in a few weeks. <laughs> they should, you should have put him in last week. I thought at some point they were going to take everyone out and just see. I mean, 
as a coach, when it's that bad, I, I'd bench everyone and say, let's see what these other guys can do. Get them some film. He's elite. (laughs) Um, So what's he going to say? He's average. I mean, you know, (laughs) it's above average. Um, He's Super Bowl MVP. If he said um, he was average, the fans and the media would have beat him up. Like this is your quarterback. That's the confidence. The the headline would have been average Joe. The guy guy was in a no no win situation. What was he going to say? No. Anyway. So um, a team who had a similar fate to the Cowboys on uh, Saturday afternoon was Wisconsin. Uh, they got absolutely shellacked by Notre Dame. Just taking a quick look around mm-hmm. the Big Ten before we get into Maryland. Uh, and that was supposed to be the biggest game of the weekend for the Big Ten. And, and it was not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Wisconsin looked like crap. Um, Michigan did get a close win at home against Rutgers. Um, Michigan State, Nebraska took them to overtime. Um, but the big surprise, at least for me, was, I mean, Minnesota didn't do a thing against Bowling Green. I guess uh, Maryland fans know the pain of losing to Bowling Green at home. Um, and then we also saw Indiana squeak out a win over Western Kentucky on the road. Mike, it just what we saw around the Big Ten, uh, initial thoughts from this week. Well, Bowling Green was a 30-point underdog. Yeah, I was just going to say, this isn't the same They're Bowling bad. Green that we lost to. Like, we lost to a good Bowling Green team, and they were thriving. This is – that's a bad loss. They're I don't playing Minnesota Kent was State this weekend, and I think Kent State is favored in that game against Bowling Green by, like, 15 points. Yeah. Oh, well, that, goodness. Yeah, that tells you. And I, I wish I could remember the stat of teams that were – 30 plus, and I actually think Bowling Green is 30 and a half point underdogs, but the record for underdogs of 30 or more points, I want to say the record was something like 0 and 50. And Bowling Green broke that. It, 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 it's crazy. So, yeah, that I mean, that certainly sticks out. Now, with Wisconsin Notre Dame, here's the bottom line. Now, both teams are very good, although Notre Dame struggled in the Florida State game, but no, both teams are very good defensively. So I can't say that I'm surprised early on in this game that it was a defensive game. Obviously, things snowballed out of control. But again, for Wisconsin, their offensive line, as was the case last year, is not very good. And that's a shot. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin, they... Uh... I'm not really impressed with them this year. I mean, the loss to Penn State, the loss to Notre Dame. You know, I I was going to say I I feel like the Big Ten's not as top-heavy this year. Like, they might not have a playoff-caliber team, but I think some of the other teams like Rutgers and Maryland, like maybe the talent has, like, equaled out a little bit. But then you got, you know, Minnesota losing to Bowling Green. You got Nebraska's not very good. Indiana doesn't look very good. This just might be an overall down year for the conference um and like i said you know i've kind of joked about it but maybe this is maryland's year their their chance to really i mean we they talk about hey you know we want to contend for big 10 titles and i think some people think that's tongue-in-cheek because you think well you got to get through you know what what is ohio state penn state michigan all going to have down years in the same year well it's kind of happening and maryland looks as good as anybody um so we'll see well, and, uh, just a, a couple of other, other notes, uh, you know, Michigan and Taylor two halves, they held on, but that's a much better Rutgers program, but Michigan did not run the football well in that second half. They had a chance at a touchdown late in the first half, a bad throw by the quarterback there. They also missed a field goal late in that game that would have sealed it at that point. That final drive for Rutgers uh, would not have uh, been enough at that point to tie the game. Um, you know, we could say what we will about Nebraska, but yeah, the Oklahoma team, and you saw West Virginia play them tough on the road, and that's not a bad West Virginia team, as we know. 
I almost wonder, though, because Michigan State's gotten off to a good start. That was another good win for them. But I, I think maybe you're seeing a Nebraska team that, while it's not showing up in the record books here uh, in the win-loss column, that a Nebraska team that's finally showing themselves at least a little bit here in terms of being more oh, they're getting better. Yeah. More yeah. So I don't know that I do that. That, Michigan State that, was a, that was actually a good game back and forth in that I one. I know. I had Michigan State money line, and I was freaking out at the end. <laughs> yeah. What the heck is this going on here? Yeah. Now, uh, Purdue, Illinois, that was ugly. That was a game of field goals mostly. Purdue scored late. They're off to a 3-1 and one start. Uh, but I, I I don't think that there are any great shakes. We know Illinois is yeah. rebuilding. Um, and we'll talk about Iowa coming up. Northwestern ran for over 300 yards against Ohio. No surprise in their win there. Ohio um, stinks this year. They're putrid. Usually but, they're not that bad, but they're really bad this year. But, Pat, I mean, no doubt the Big, the Big Ten East division is, is fairly wide open. But still, to me, the road still run through, runs through Columbus. And right now, right now, uh, through four weeks, in my opinion, all-around team, as I said last week, right now, Penn State's the best yeah. all-around team at the moment. Hard to argue that. Yeah, anybody who had uh, Akron covering that 48-and-a-half-point spread, <clears throat> me, uh, that was rough, especially when Akron dropped a wide-open touchdown in the end zone that would have covered with nine seconds oh, left. So Akron's thanks, one of those really bad thanks, programs, Akron. too, this year. But 48 points, I mean, I would never lay that many either. So you think that that's at least got a good chance of hitting that's and wild. then Ohio State starting backup quarterbacks. Who knows? So that'll be an interesting game this week. See if you know, can compete. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but do you know that I already saw online that there were stories about where could C.J. Stroud end up transferring to because <laughs> with McCord getting the start that he's not going to relinquish the job if he does really well and he may hold on to it and beat out Stroud in practice and that Stroud, where are the top t- top five destinations, transfer destinations? I'm dead serious. I saw that headline uh, over the last couple of days. Unbelievable. Modern college football. Jeez. Poor guy got injured, and they're already. It's a sore shoulder. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I figured Ohio State was just trying to protect their like most important asset against any opponent. That's how I read it. They if it was going to be any kind of competitive game, Stroud would have been in. That, that, that is right. that Which is, is why he's going to be on the field this week. They had Rutgers. summer camp to be able to work that out. Stroud, Stroud won the job, bottom line. I, I think it's smart. I mean, I, I would rest my star quarterback against a, you know, inferior opponent too early in the season. I think it's smart. The guy that started, I think, is a five-star, though, to be fair. Right, exactly. Because if you're a program like that, you got a good backup. And, and you might be hurting your players' Heisman chances, but as long as – you have that understanding with them. Yeah, it's about winning games, and it's about having yeah. your guy healthy for the duration of the season. So, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they were just going to run Travion Henderson into the ground in that game anyway. Right, I mean, right. Dude's running for, like, what, nine yards a carry or something? Right, or at least for a half until they're up by 40 right. and then put exactly. in whoever else. But Try 11.6. Yeah, they ran the ball 35 <laughs> times. They threw the ball uh, 18 with McCord, and then Miller the third threw it for eight. Uh, but, hey, it gets those guys some experience, though, bottom line, and it rests your starting quarterback. They got the best of both worlds there. Well, worth mentioning, uh, it was just announced this week that Maryland's game against Ohio State, which is who they'll play after Iowa, is going to be featured on Big Noon Kickoff Fox. So we get Gus Johnson uh, hopefully calling some touchdown passes. Uh, Screaming Gus. Hopefully. Nice. Hopefully. So we'll, well, that, we'll that see. Hopefully make Maryland can happy. be competitive. Did, did you, yeah. 
Did you hear his comments this week about the he being does not like Friday, Friday night, night, night games? I don't he think most coaches probably do. I mean, it's really cool being in prime time, but you lose preparation time. It throws the you know coaches and teams and football players in general are very they're militaristic, like they're very regimented and and rely on that weekly schedule and daily schedule and uh yeah i don't think any of them really like getting thrown into it it's, it's one thing not to like it it's another thing to say it out loud because i don't think complaining about it's going to help the cause at all no. but he wanted to get that jab in there and, and he got it well it's also he has two you have two in one season which is that's bizarre high yeah and yeah it hurts yes you have a you have a prime time game but it hurts you with recruiting because most of your recruits are playing football that night you know that's a good point yeah yeah yeah. that that honestly might have been loxley's biggest gripe with this he probably can't get the the half the recruits he wants to get there for this big game where he'll have a sellout crowd and all of that so i feel much rather he'd much rather have this be a noon game I mean, right. you know, he could get his recruits in there, and I don't blame him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, for me, selfishly, going to this game, I can't wait. Friday night, it's going to be great. But, <laughs> yeah, it's be but I totally understand it from a head coach's perspective. Look, I, I, first off, I, I twice, uh, the first time since 1954 that Maryland's playing two games on Friday night, I get one, two, yeah, you, you scratch your head at. But one thing that I think Mike Loxley needs to be very aware of, and not that he isn't, but I understand the recruits aspect of it. But, guys, this is a program that's trying to build themselves, okay? You get Friday night, national spotlight. You get a situation where the fan base is riled up. They're ready to go. They're not going to class. There's tailgating. You're going to have a much better chance of getting students in the stadium on a Friday night as compared to a Saturday afternoon, even at noon. Uh, I would argue a much better shot than than a noon kickoff or maybe even a 3.30 that you don't have to compete with the weekend and academics and all the other stuff at a weekend. Friday night for Maryland and with where they are with their program right now in a national spotlight and getting students in the stadium, I would say a Friday night kickoff is actually very beneficial to this program so i think he's being a little narrow-minded about uh him his dislike for playing on a friday night that's, if maryland point, wins Mike. this game if, if they win this game i'm sure he'd be more than happy to play another friday night game right right yeah i mean i get the short week i get the recruits that's all fair but there's other aspects of this that actually are very positive for maryland now look if maryland's sitting there like penn state or ohio state no they don't need to have it at all and and they don't need it it's, it doesn't add anything but for where maryland is right now yeah friday night lights has some definite benefit to it that's a good point mike and and honestly like to that point you're right like for a team like penn state ohio state they like getting uh they're competing with each other they're they're all splitting hairs at the top with each other so getting that those marquee recruits at a noon kickoff, you know, on a Saturday, full house or whatever is, is important for us. We're still trying to build that, that brand, that brand name recognition, you know, make Maryland a household name. And, you know, I don't know if you guys have noticed or not, but there's not many good sports on on Friday nights most of the time. So Maryland should have the stage to themselves. And even if those recruits are playing on Friday night, their friends, their family, if Maryland shows out on Friday night, They'll be hearing from their, you know, their friends at school on Monday. They'll be hearing from their family over the weekend. Like, hey, you know, aren't you getting recruited by Maryland? Like, they looked really good on national TV against uh, Iowa. That crowd was rocking. You could see it on TV. Um, You know, that the word will get to them. You know, so um, yeah, no, I agree with you there, Mike. It might, it might honestly, you know, you got to spin it. It's the situation they're in, so they got to spin it as a benefit. 
Yeah, so we'll break down that game in a second. Let's talk Kent State first. Uh, Maryland wins last weekend over Kent State, 37-16. They covered as well. Uh, This could have been a much bigger win uh, than it was. They could have scored a lot more points. They could have uh, held Kent State to fewer, if not for some key mistakes uh, that Maryland made. It was a sloppy game on their part. Uh, A lot of penalties, uh, especially pass interference uh, penalties by Maryland's DBs. They could not hang with Kent State's wide receivers on the deep routes that they were throwing. They were consistently beat on those routes and forced to uh, use their hands in ways that they weren't supposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Maryland wide receivers couldn't catch the ball reliably. Uh, I counted six drop passes, including one drop touchdown in the end zone by Jay Sean Jones. He was wide open and just hit off his helmet or something. And then uh, a drop pass by Rakeem Jarrett that led to Talia's only interception of the season. And Pro Football Focus did grade that as a non-turnover uh, worthy play. So he still does not, Talia does, still does not have any turnover worthy plays that he's made through four games. Um, and third downs, uh, another concern. This has been a, an issue for a, f- a few weeks now. Uh, Maryland converted just two of 10, I believe, first uh, third downs. So those are three things, Pat, or a few things that if they repeat that performance this week, they're going to get shellacked. Yeah, I agree. And I have the box score here in front of me. I'm seeing um, four for 11 on third downs, but it's still, that's pretty close. It's not good. And yes, it's a continuous theme, a continuous problem for them, even though they continue to win these games. Uh, The penalties are also a a continual problem. Two turnovers, not ideal, but like you mentioned, the one – you know, off the hands of arguably the most reliable receiver on the team who did not have a good game. Jarrett had a really bad game. Um, hopefully we can just chalk it up to that and, and he puts it behind him. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, you're, you were right. It wasn't a perfect game, but the fact that they, they made so many mental mistakes, they probably weren't fully mentally focused because their team just starting to feel the, the glitz and the glamour of winning and and now they have to in between big 10 games face a mac team you know it's it they probably weren't as focused as they're hopefully going to be on friday night um or as they were against west virginia so um it's impressive that they still won the game by what 20 points 21 points um talia looks amazing They almost, scored, they almost scored at the very end. Too yeah. Well. yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know what, Kent State, like holding that team to 16 points, whether, you know, yeah. that's that's pretty good because that is they, their defense isn't good, but their offense is pretty legit to the point where, you know, almost any power five team is going to at least let up somewhere between 10 and 20 to them. So, um, yeah, I think I, I, I wasn't discouraged by the performance. They definitely have – room to grow and things they need to tidy up, especially if they do, like you mentioned, if they have this sort of game uh, and sloppiness against Iowa, things could get ugly because Iowa will actually be able to capitalize more. But um, I think they will be a lot more focused for that game on Friday. And I think that, um, you know, Maryland's key players as in Talia, Fleet Davis, Demas, and, and you know, guys like Nick Cross and, um, uh, Bennett and Still and Hippolyte, all these guys on defense continue to to shine. So, um, yeah, another good win. Yeah, I think the hope has to be that they got it out of their system. Yeah. Uh, that this ugliness came against Kent State, a game that was winnable uh, before you prep for Iowa. Um, Mike, 
What do you think? I mean, it, it seems like a lot of times coaches actually prefer these sorts of wins because they have teaching teachable moments, especially before such a big game coming up against Iowa. Yeah, I mean, without repeating everything that, that Pat just mentioned, because you guys point out that the, the certainly the areas of concern in that game against Kent State, as you talked about, could have been a, a larger margin of win. I guess a glass half full is that with those mistakes, with the fact that they didn't play as well as they're capable of, they win that game by 21. And, and to Pat's point, against a Kent State team that offensively, you're right, has uh, a pretty good offense. And you're right, uh, teams uh, would give up, Power 5 teams would still give up possibly 20 points to a team like that. So for 16, that's good. So I, I guess the that's the takeaway is that, you know, Maryland's capable of playing a whole lot better. They still won by three touchdowns. Really, at the end, they they were right there to score a fourth one. So it very well could have been 44 uh, to 16. At, at the end of that game. So that's the glass half full on that. And you're right, Zach, if anything, not that they wouldn't be focused for this game anyway, but that it just adds some fire to the coaches to say, oh, you know, you think, uh, you know, think coming in at three and oh, you were hot stuff. Well, look what you didn't do or look what you did do in that game. Um, so that that certainly helps. I, I, I don't know. It's tough. I, I don't know that I got the feeling that they were overlooking Kent State. Um, at least completely. I mean, I think sometimes you can kind of get the feel that, yes, yeah, the, the vibe's not there necessarily. I don't know that I quite got that entirely um, from the team because, I mean, look at Tiger Bailoa, for instance. He was 31 of 41, 384 yards and three touchdown passes. I think the offensive line played very well in that game. Um, there were some really good performances in that one. So, I, you know, I'm not going to go all the way and say, yeah, they completely overlooked Kent State. I, I don't I don't know that that's the case. But I tell you what was concerning, not that Iowa is um, a team that throws uh, the heck out of the ball or is known for a great passing game. But, yeah, the secondary's play really bothered me. Yeah, it's a secondary that, you know, last year their biggest strength was being able to play cover one press man and just let the outside DBs, Tarheeb Still, Ja'Korian Bennett, Kenny Bennett, whoever was lined up out there, man up. And they were typically able to do it without committing these penalties. This is really the first time we've seen a big issue with this. Um, so hopefully it's a one-off. Uh, that's certainly what they're hoping. Mike, you mentioned the offensive line. I saw Pro Football Focus graded them as the best pass-blocking unit in the country for their performance last week. And Spencer Anderson as their best right tackle of the week. So yeah. that's huge. And we've talked about, we talked about, you know, before the season, how the offensive line was such a concern with so many question marks especially on the interior we knew the tackles as long as Jalen Duncan and Spencer Anderson uh, stayed healthy we knew they'd be very good um, but the interior was a question mark even up until really the the day of the West Virginia game uh, with Eric Harris starting yeah, in center uh, he's turned out to be really good put his athleticism on display he's been you know pulling getting out in front of uh in passing plays and running plays and that that's been huge pat you mentioned talia and mike you did too i mean this guy it's like every week he gets better somehow even though you think he can't top it i mean these are the 384 yards most passing yards he's thrown for this year uh despite six drops he's 31 for 41 so I mean, what is that? Uh, three or four passes that were actually off target. Right. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous what he's able to do. Nine and a half yards per pass attempt uh, or or completion, uh, and three touchdowns should have been at least four uh, with that Jayshon Jones drop in the end zone, and then one interception that should have been zero because of Raheem Jarrett dropping that ball. So. This is a team that's going to live and die on the arm of Talia. And 
that's that's the way college football works and that's the way football works you're you live and die on the army or quarterback and this is the first time really in like 20 years that maryland's had a quarterback that you've been able to ride like this i mean it's the most passing yards that a maryland quarterback has thrown for since i think scott milanovic in 1993 is what i saw so i mean that's just it's 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 really it's like th- almost 30 years since maryland's had a quarterback like this right it's just so right. refreshing yeah basically before our lifetimes or like you yeah, know, exactly. when we were all little that's, kids that's the year like, i yeah. was born so. yeah like it's it i, I I, I wanted to reserve, you know, I wanted to reserve this sort of comment for after the Iowa game because I think, you know, after this game will really be justified in any of our opinions about this team. But Talia's making me feel foolish just in terms of I wasn't worried about him being like falling on his face bad. You know, I kind of knew he would be the best quarterback Maryland's had in a while. Um but I didn't even think like I, I. It's not that I didn't think he'd be this good or could be this good. It's just that I guess knowing Maryland's history, I was always I was cautiously optimistic and thinking there's a chance he underwhelms and Maryland's just average again or or below average. And and part of me is still, or at least through these first four games, has been waiting for the shoe to the other shoe to drop and and be like, all right, when's he finally going to have a bad game? Not that I'm hoping for it, but I just part of me expects it um but now that it's been four games in a row and he's not only looked good he's looked great in all four of them i mean i want to say a pat you're an idiot and you were wrong and not only is he way better than you thought but he he's working himself in not like heisman talk like sort of thing you know the more games maryland wins and these are like silly numbers that he's putting up um but then i feel then like i feel a little weird saying that before we play the number five team in the country because you know you say all that and then if he goes out and and looks horrible on a national stage on friday night it's going to change this whole narrative but to that point if he goes out and does what he's been doing or some semblance of that i mean sky's the limit for him and, and our team this year and that's the biggest reason why Maryland has a chance in this game is yeah, Talia. Hundred uh, percent. They have a legitimate quarterback, and what's really impressed me about him is not just—I mean, yes—the passing yards. He's got, you know, all these receivers to throw to, and he's been taking advantage. It's the mastery of the offense and how smart he is within the system. I mean, he—he he doesn't make, and I just talked about it. He doesn't make bad throws. He doesn't—he doesn't force the ball into coverage. I don't think I've seen him force a ball into coverage that he didn't need to yet this year. Um, he knows where his check down is, uh, on every single play and he has no problem just taking that. He has no problem. Uh, we saw it in the Illinois game being patient and okay, so you can't convert a third down fine. We'll just punt and do it again the next drive. And that's what you need. And I know Mike Loxley has always preached with his quarterbacks, the importance of ball security, but I mean, we're seeing it come to fruition here. I mean, Talia has really taken that to heart and he has not. Uh, put the ball into places that he uh, that he hasn't needed to, uh, and that's one of the biggest reasons why he's been so efficient because he he's able to complete passes even if it is a dump off. And Maryland has in Tayon Fleet Davis uh, a running back that's excellent at catching those little dump dump offs and making something out of nothing. 
Yeah. Um, so having those weapons to be able to do that at your disposal is is huge. But having a quarterback that's got this sort of mastery of the system is even bigger. And, and Zach, I wonder, and Mike, I, I wonder how how much of Talia's success has to do with the fact that his older brother played in the same system under the same you know coordinator slash coach. Yeah. Um, you know, Tua. Uh, you know, if Talia has any questions, he's not only got his coaches to go to, but he's got his brother who was running the same offense and. Tua, I don't think he's doing much these days other than rehab. So, um, you know, he's got plenty of time to help his little bro out. And and who's to say, I mean, this is kind of going like conspiracy theory style, but like who's to say Talia and the Tagovailoa family didn't have this whole thing worked out where they just kind of knew Talia would go, not to say that it would be, definitely be Loxley in Alabama and Maryland, but to say, hey, like, you know, you'll go where your brother went. You'll that'll give you that much more of a chance to succeed um, at college level and maybe beyond because you'll have your brother as another resource. Or Talia, hey, while your brother's at Alabama, start studying this guy's playbook because this is who you're going to be playing for. You know, like I'm not saying that's the case, but it could be even that deep rooted. You just don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is just a match made in heaven. The tag of Ilowas and the and Mike Loxley. Well, and it certainly helps that Dan Enos uh, is is a guy that has worked with quarterbacks in years past as well. Ian Loxley are on the same page from their Alabama days, and they changed. And I don't know why Loxley initially changed the language of the offense when he came in, but the verbiage that they used at Alabama is now what they're using this season. I don't know why he didn't implement that last year, but he didn't. Uh, but this year he has. And so, uh, yeah, everything is uh, very, very similar to what Talia had uh, in his freshman year at Alabama. And I think that coupled with, right, Dan Enos being a quarterback, coach in addition to an OC and then him being on the same page with Loxley helps a lot and I tell you one thing that stood out to me and almost taking a page out of Iowa's book because as you take a look as we get into that game uh, their leading receiver is a tight end but to get Chiggy uh, into now whether that was whether they plan that to get Iowa to think about Chiggy in addition to the great wide receiving core, or whether that was just we like the matchup against Kent State, uh, you know, I don't know, or maybe it's a combination of both. But getting Chiggy involved in that game, uh, I think uh, certainly A, shows how talented or tight end he is, but B, also gives Iowa something else to think about this Friday night. That's something yeah. that stood out for me, by the way, in the game. So. Yeah. No doubt. So let's let's get into Iowa. Uh, so this is going to be the first time since 2007 that Maryland's hosting a top five opponent. Uh, that was West Virginia. They lost that game. I, I think it was 31 to 14 when I looked it up. Maryland hasn't beaten a top five team since that famous Florida State game in 2004. So mm-hmm. biggest game on campus in a long, long time. A uh, game that obviously everybody had circled on their calendar for months um so let's get into it i think guys the best way to start talking about iowa is obviously their defense uh one of the best defenses in the country they are first in the big 10 and third in college football in points allowed that's really where the strength of their defense lies they will give up some yards um not a ton 254 yards per game um and especially pass yards, 37th in, in college football and pass yards allowed. But they don't allow teams into the end zone, and they're always able to capitalize on mistakes. That's what they do a really good job of. Uh, you saw that in the season opener against Indiana when they had, what, two pick sixes? And that's one of the reasons why they scored so many points in that game. Um, so when I looked at the depth chart that they put out, 
I was the one thing I was struck by is how small their off their defensive line is. They have nobody that weighs over 300 pounds. They're very athletic though. Um, and they run a lot of stunts and from a scheme standpoint, they rely on those four guys to get to the passer and pretty much play either cover two or cover three zone behind them. They're just extremely fundamentally strong. Uh, and they do a really good job of everything that they do. Uh, they do it well. They don't make mistakes. They don't blow coverages. They are typically able to get home with their front four, um, sometimes assisted with some of those stunts uh, and they don't play a ton of man coverage. It's mostly zone. So that's kind of what Maryland has uh, to go up against. Mike, what stands out to you when you look at this Iowa team? Well, I mean, you, you made all the points there at defensive line. They replaced three guys on that defensive yep. line. So that's, um, that, that's an area where, You'd think that that would be a weak point, maybe an area of an attack for uh, the Terps. You know, the, we'll see. You know, I, I certainly think. But no, I, I think you hit all the key points on that. They're just very fundamentally sound. Uh, they've got uh, returning starters, especially at the linebacker position. Um, but their whole the whole thing is just right. Be fundamentally sound. Don't give up the big plays. You're right. A lot of zone. A lot of two deep shell. And uh, they get after it now. The first two games, I'm not saying this isn't a result of good defense, but the first two games, they had six interceptions yep. against uh, Indiana and then against Iowa State. So their defense and then conversely, their offense was helped quite a bit by six picks in those first two games. Clearly, and it goes without saying, and, and this was not the case in the last two games, Kent State and Colorado State, their quarterbacks did not have an interception. And conversely, that certainly helps like CSU, who kept it close in Iowa last week. Uh, so that's an area, obviously, Talia has been much better at, but that'll be key again here. There, there's no need um, to force things because you're gonna, you may have to be more patient against the zone, but yeah, don't don't force it by any stretch. And you would think that Maryland uh, will may try to attack that uh, that defensive line uh, with the run game, even though obviously uh, we've got uh, quite a good core of wide receivers. Yeah, that's one of the biggest points that I made in the preview article that I just put up at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com was patience. I think this is a game where you kind of have to you have to wait to take your shot. You can't force it if it's not there immediately. Um, and that, that goes for both sides of the ball. Um, wait to take your opportunity because Iowa is a team, if you do try to force it and you make a mistake, they're going to make you pay. Um, you're not really going to be able to get away with any sort of mistakes that you were able to get away with last week against Kent State. Iowa's going to make you pay for all of those. Um, so that's that's definitely something to watch for. Uh, Mike, you mentioned the the inexperience on their defensive line. It's similar on their offensive yep. line, yep. which is yep. interesting. Uh, they do get back their right guard, but coming into the season, their center, and he's a very good center, but their center was the only returning starter on that offensive line. Their right guard, this is the most Iowa thing ever. He broke his foot while bailing hay over the summer. So he was out for the first couple weeks of the season. Um, but he is back now. They eased him in the last couple games. But, but that's the thing that sticks out to me, too, conversely, is that their offensive line is inexperienced. Now, we know Kirk Ferentz is known for developing really good offensive lines and some of those guys going to the pros as well. We certainly know Marshall Yondazak had an all-pro career and, and a Hall of Fame career, most likely, with the Ravens. But this is a team that 
take out the Kent State game because their defense is pretty bad and you get inflated numbers there. If you take that Kent State game out, this Iowa team has not run the football very well. They haven't run the football well against Indiana or Iowa State, both Power 5 teams. Kent State, they did, but that inflates the numbers. Colorado State, they had a good game there as well, but bottom line is that that has not been a consistent offensive line, and this is a much better Maryland front seven uh, than any of the years past. So I, I do think that while you expect Iowa to improve there as the season goes on, and you certainly don't take them lightly, I think Maryland has a chance to uh, mitigate to an extent that run game as compared to years past and force them to throw the football. And I'd rather them beat us throwing the football than running the football. Pat, we, you look at Iowa's offense, it's one of the worst offenses in the country. It's the worst offense in the Big Ten statistically, and it's 122nd in yards per game in the country. Yeah. Their run game is terrible. Their mm-hmm. pass game is even worse. So yeah. that's not to say that they don't have some talent, but so far they haven't been able to put it all together. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're not lying. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as saying the run game's terrible, but it's not great. I mean, as a team, they're averaging 3.3 yards per carry, but their starter averages – over four and a half a carry. He's got five touchdowns. I, I think Goodson's okay, but I mean, you even state game out though, like I said, and see what you get then. Well, exactly, and he had a monster game then, and and their quarterback and receivers, none of them are overly impressive. Um, I mean, you mentioned earlier, Zach, when you were giving your uh, take on Iowa, that it's really about the defense, and and they've been scoring points on defense, which has helped contribute to some of these big wins. They also um, that that's where most of their talent is and that's how they're winning these games my, my key to the game is is the turnover margin i mean you guys both kind of alluded to it but i i will be shocked if whoever wins the turn turnover margin of this game doesn't win the actual game um and that scares me a little bit because it it seems to play into the hands of the better defensive team the team that's like iowa that's forcing all these turnovers and, and stuff and winning that way but i i I mean, I think you can make the argument that Maryland's the more balanced team here, yeah. you know, offensively yeah. and defensively. Absolutely. But I don't think Maryland can rely on its expl- – even though the ex- they're the, Amer- the more explosive offense and that should be considered a, a strength in this game, you know, compared to Iowa's, I fear that if they go strength against strength and try and say our explosive offense can overmatch your defense, that might lead – or at least increase the chances of more turnovers. And if you turn the ball over against this Iowa team, you have no shot of winning. And that's when the game can really snowball and get out of hand. So I don't want to say, you know, Maryland, don't, you know, don't play your game, play Iowa's game. You know, obviously what they're doing is working and it's not like they are turning the ball over at a high rate, but this is going to be by far the best defense they've faced, even though the West Virginia one's pretty good and they look pretty good. So, um, you know, I think they can gain some confidence there, but I just really think that whether you want to go pass heavy, run heavy, or what the play calling distribution is on offense, protect the ball, play smart, and I think it's just going to come down to that focus. You know, how bad do they want it? Do they want this win on Friday night against a top five opponent? Do they want to be vaulted into the national conversation or, or a Big Ten title contender team? Well, that's going to require 60 minutes of full focus so that these turnovers and mental lapses don't occur. And if they can do that and they don't give this average offense a lot of chances because of, you know, giving them the ball back. I don't see why they couldn't and shouldn't win this this game, be able to put up enough points to, to you know put it out of reach. 
Yeah, and I mentioned it before. What Iowa's defense really wants to do is play zone, keep everything in front of you. They're a very solid tackling team, um, and they've been able to force turnovers on some long drives uh, by opposing offenses. So I think I think where Maryland could have su- some success is by sustaining some of these drives and using tempo. And I think if they are going to get a, uh, some tempo is a great idea. Plays, yeah. Yeah, some explosive plays. It, it, tempo is not something they've really been able to do the last couple of weeks because they haven't been good on third down. And in order to use tempo effectively, you got to be able to string first downs together. Yeah. Uh, typically, you're not going to see Maryland go fast except after they convert first downs. If you're not converting first downs, you can't go fast. So I think that's a big key. If they're able to do that, and we saw them have so much success uh, when they were having offensive success against Illinois, it's when they were moving quickly and running that RPO game getting quick passes for Talia and quick runs up the middle if they can do that I think they can have some success and maybe bust an explosive play off of a quick slant or a quick run up the middle and, and that's and what I would do Zach I, I would get the ball in the playmakers hand. I'd put that tackling yep. to the test I mean maybe Iowa yeah. is a great tackling team and maybe they'll be able to stop most of the explosiveness but there's a high percentage plays and it only takes one you know busting one or two to, to sway the game so well, and a couple of things that I see as well is that, uh, again, with, with your tight end with Chiggy, I think that's an opportunity there where either Chiggy helps out the receivers with the linebackers and safeties or vice versa. But if I'm Maryland, one of the things I want to do early on is, OK, let's spread out Iowa's defense. Let's see if our offensive line can hold up uh, against Iowa's pass rush if they can then I think that you pick out the weaknesses there and you pick on those guys and you do it that way. If they can't sustain, uh, you know, upholding uh, the pass rush and, and limiting the uh, the rush against Talia, then at that point you've got to make some adjustments in keeping some guys in, running the football more, and, uh, and, and going about a little bit differently with play action and such. But there are a couple of different ways in this one. But their entire secondary is back. And so that's that's something that you really have to be aware of. And they've got the, their strong and middle linebacker are both back as well. So to that end, uh, you know, they're going to be pretty solid. And they have been so far. You know, you look at the stats last year. Iowa kept opponents off the scoreboard on 81.3% of offensive possessions. And the Hawkeyes allowed a 30-yard reception on just 1% of their opponents' passing attempts last season. That's best in the country. So, again, that secondary is back. So, I think, Zach, you said patience. You're right. But I also think, hey, Maryland's got a lot of weapons, though. And you can't tell me that there's not at least a matchup or two that they can expose if they go spread. Um, But there's a lot of ways I think Maryland can attack. And that's the good thing about this. But hopefully the line can uh, hold up against a pass rush and be able to take advantage of those and go forward that way. But I also think Maryland should test that defensive line and see if they can't run the football uh, against them to an extent. And, uh, you know, and that obviously makes the play action a whole lot easier. Well, Iowa, Iowa runs a four, two, five base. Um, So instead of having an additional linebacker on the field, they'll put a hybrid safety linebacker. So I'd be interested to see if Maryland comes out with, Chiggy and maybe one of their bigger blocking tight ends. I know they've used CJ Dupree, the freshman, in that role the last couple of weeks. Bulk that up, uh, try to run against what is a pretty small defensive line um, against a small 425, see if they could get some power running going that way. That would be interesting. One other thing, you know, typically when you're playing against an offense like Maryland's where you're running a lot of RPOs and a lot of quick passes, uh, the best way to combat that is to play man, is to play press man, 
typically cover one, maybe a whole a whole defender over the middle. A defense like Iowa that plays predominantly zone can a lot of times be beat um, by that RPO game. So it'll be interesting to see if they switch that up, if they play more man, or if they do what Penn State did in 2019 and bluff rushes by either the defensive ends or outside linebackers and then drop those guys into pressure into those lanes where those slants are going. We saw Josh Jackson had absolutely no <laughs> chance uh, at dissecting that. I have more faith in Talia doing that. I was that, just saying, I think Talia is, is a little bit better. Just a it little. is a way to do th- to combat that. And I know that, that Loxley's added some quick outs and they're not always running slants on those RPOs. So there are ways to combat that. But that'll be something to watch uh, to see if Iowa gets out of their zone at all in order to combat that RPO, especially if Maryland gets it rolling. Yeah. Uh, something to watch for. Yeah, and I that's think- a good point. Yeah, and I think one thing we all can definitely agree on is Iowa has not faced an offense like Maryland yet this nope. year. Um, you know, Iowa State's a good team, but they're horrible to watch on offense. They're boring. You know, they run like a pro style. They run that Bryce guy or whatever up the middle all the time. Yeah, no, they they we haven't seen if Iowa can defend a defense that has or an offense that has the weapons all over the field that Maryland has. So it'll be a test for them. And this is this is the test that we've been waiting for for Maryland. We talked about it even going back into last year, where unfortunately we didn't get to see how they fared against Ohio State because that game was canceled after they had beaten Penn State. But this year, this was the test. You you came in, you took care of business the first four weeks, you won all those games. Uh, you come into uh, the month of October. Here's your test, and you got two big ones back to back in Iowa and Ohio State, and it starts this week. Are you a legitimate football program? Have you taken right. the necessary steps in Mike Loxley's third year to be able to compete with the big boys in the Big Ten? We're going to find out. And just looking at the schedules here, Zach, I, it, could this be – I mean, I is Maryland a get-up game for Iowa? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think, you know, they had their big uh, game against Iowa State early in the season, big rivalry took care of business like they always do against them. They got Penn State next week could be a potential matchup between two top five teams. Is this a look-ahead spot for Iowa? Is this a spot where because I know Maryland's going to be up for this game. Whether they execute or not is one thing. This is a get-up game for Maryland. We don't have quote-unquote rivals in the Big Ten. Everyone's a rival because we've been the little brother getting beat down for seven years now or whatever it's been. Six, five, six years, however many years we've been in the Big Ten. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that alone is a big advantage in Maryland's corner. And Mike, you got Iowa coming in on a short week on the road that too. Um, into a hostile environment where I know Iowa has a following and they have some alums in this area, but it's nothing like Penn State, Ohio State, or even West Virginia. Well, and that's where I go back to saying that the ability to get students in the stands on a Friday night much easier than a Saturday at noon or 3.30. So I think that that's right. A feather in Maryland's cap. Absolutely right. So there's a lot of things going in Maryland's favor here. You know, Kirk French is a really good coach. You'd like to think that for, oh, from their vantage point that they're not going to overlook Maryland, that they see that Maryland's 4-0 and uh, that they're a pretty legitimate team. But these are college kids, and, and it happens. And it, to point out about Penn State the following game, 
uh, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Pat. So, I mean, things uh, things are certainly lining up well for Maryland. And, yeah, this is this is another litmus test game. West Virginia was the first one, but Iowa now is uh, another litmus test game. And you know, you've got Iowa and Ohio State back-to-back, and they'll be good tests for Maryland. But, hey, th- this is the time. It's come now, so – Okay, you know where where we're where are we at right now, and we'll certainly uh, we'll certainly see. At the end of the day, you just hope that win or lose, and I guess more from the losing perspective, if they do lose this game, that they left it off, they left it all on the field, that it wasn't because of mistakes, you know, penalties, turnovers, and and such that they they made or stupid turnovers, I should say, unforced turnovers. That that's the hope at the end of the day. You can come out of this game and lose and still come away feeling like this program's headed in the right direction. I don't mean to take a losing mentality. They certainly, this is a winnable game. I, I will rank fifth, don't care. Uh, they were ranked ahead of Penn State at one point, which I think was ridiculous. So it's a winnable game, but ultimately, um, you know, Maryland, uh, that said, uh, you, we could still see strides being taken forward if they should lose this game. It's just how, you know, how that would be exactly. So l- let's just do predictions at this point because I think we we've we've talked the game over. I think we know where we stand. Hopefully, Pat, what do you think about this game? Iowa is currently favored by three and a half. Is Maryland able to pull off the upset? Home dogs. Hmm. I was going to ask you for the spread, so thanks for that. Um, yeah, I'm not going to bet against Maryland in this game. I I like I like the. Uh, I like the spot they're in, you know, even now looking at the schedule with Penn State next for Iowa, um, short week for the traveling team. Um, yeah, I think Maryland wins. I'm, I'm having a hard time coming up with a score because I could just see this game going so many. I, I don't see it. Um, I don't see either team winning a shootout. Um, I also don't see either team winning a blowout. So, um, I'm just I'm just gonna say Maryland in a close one, probably something like 2017, something like that. Yeah, Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I I'm leaning the Terps in this one. I am. I I feel like this is a special team. We saw it with the wins against West Virginia and Illinois. Uh, this is a winnable game. Again, this is an Iowa team that does have some issues, as we know, and, and maybe those issues will be overcome as the season goes on with the with the inexperience of the offensive line and, and the new guys on the defensive line as well. Um, but with for all the reasons you guys talked about, Friday night lights at home, short week for Iowa, uh, fan base will be charged up for Maryland. You know Maryland's getting up for this game. Uh, for Iowa, maybe a bit of a question mark. And again, I think Maryland could attack this defense in a number of different ways. And the Maryland defense is a lot better. They're the most equipped to handle uh, in the trenches the Big Ten than they ever have been since they came into the Big Ten in 2014. So, yeah, I mean, I think they have a lot of good things going for them. Uh, it's not going to be hunky-dory the rest of the way as we know. But, yeah, this is uh, this is definitely a winnable game this year in the Big Ten East. So I, I will go with Maryland in this one. But I, I think, Zach, you said it, the word patience, very important. I think early on to see if Maryland comes out, scripts things, see you know sees what they get against uh, the Iowa defense, whether they man up more, if they drop in zone blitzes, as you talked about, et cetera. Um, that'll be important. But, uh, yeah, I'll go with Maryland in this one. Uh, you know, score-wise – uh, you know, we'll uh, I'll go twenty seven twenty four. 
All right. Now that may even be a bit high, but yeah, I'll go 27, 24. Yeah. I got to say when, before I started doing really digging into Iowa and doing research and all of that, I wasn't feeling as confident about this game. The research only made me feel more confident when I looked at how Maryland matched up, um, you know, Iowa's defense, very good. Maryland's offense, very good. And the best offense that they've faced all year. Um, and Iowa's offense, really not anything special. Maryland's defense ought to be able to pretty much control um, them, especially the passing game. A little bit worried about them in the running game if they're able to bust off some big runs. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, I'm picking Maryland um, in a close one. I think it'll probably be, like you guys said, a three-point game. I don't know, score-wise. I, I like what Pat said, 20-17. That, that feels right. Maybe a game that that is a defensive battle early on. Uh, not necessarily teams coming out slow, but just seeing really good defense before offenses are able to figure out how to put up some yards uh, on the opposition. But yeah, I think, I think it's going to be close. I think hopefully, you know, hopefully it's an exciting game. Uh, you know, obviously we all hope for that uh, watching. I'll be there in person and I, I have no problem saying that one of the reasons why I am picking Maryland is because as a Maryland football fan, you really don't have many opportunities to rush the field. And after seeing what NC state was able to do last week against Clemson, I would really like to be able to rush the field on Friday night. So uh, if, if Maryland does win, you can find me uh, hopefully at midfield uh, doing something. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this is an opportunity uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into it next week, no matter what. Well, this is an opportunity for Maryland to really make their mark um, on a national stage. And we've been talking about it for many, many years, how Maryland needs to at least be able to compete in these sorts of games. And it feels like this is the first time in a long time that they have been equipped to win this sort of game. We saw 2013, they got off to a 4-0 start and then got clobbered by Florida State. I know people have been talking about that. People have been talking about 2019 when they got blown out by Florida State. Of course, they had already lost to Temple that year, so the luster had already worn off before that game had started. But, Mike, you mentioned it uh, just a minute ago. This does feel like a special team, and it feels like a different Maryland team. Um, I don't know that the Maryland team of 2019, even where they were mentally, would have won the West Virginia game. And most Maryland teams of the past certainly wouldn't have been able to pull off that Illinois win. So if this really is a different Maryland team, and this is the sort of game that they would normally lose, right? Well, if this is a different Maryland team, they're going to compete at least and probably win. And I know Iowa has traditionally been very good in that West along with Wisconsin. But to me, long term, if Loxley's able to get the program to where we think he can get it, I don't care where I was ranked or how good a season they're having. This is a team that they should be able to not only compete with, but get some wins against over the years as well. If we're just thinking long term uh, in, in matchups uh, you know, around the Big Ten, whether it be in the East Division or West Division. Uh, but I agree. I think this program is leaps and bounds different from 2019. And you think back to that ugly Penn State loss on that Friday night. Again, the program is leaps and bounds different. And I'll just kind of wrap up saying this. Here's what I think could happen. And here's what shouldn't happen. If Maryland does lose this game, they should not in any way be blown out of this game. If they lose, it ought to be ultra tight. Could I see a scenario where Maryland wins this game rather handily? Yeah, I actually do. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I see a scenario where it could. 
Not here, yeah. I hear right. you. Yeah. The offense, I get Once it. I mean, they I get think going if I, they got going with the crowd uh, and I think up this, the defense, this yeah. offense has the ability to blow out pretty much anybody. Right. If they hit everything right. Yeah. Well, I think if one team starts turning the ball over, I could see it snowballing for them. It's it's mm-hmm. those turnovers are a fickle thing and uh it, the thing is, though, Maryland, I know if they start getting turnovers, has the offense to capitalize. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Iowa depends where those they, – they're scoring off the turnovers. So, I don't I don't know what to think. I, I could see this game going 100 different ways. I just – I agree with you, Zach. I think that when you look at it on paper and the matchups, I, I like Maryland's chances uh, even more than before we did any research. So. Yeah, so this is, this is going to be a fun one. I know I'm looking forward to it. I know personally my first football game in person since COVID, so that's that's exciting enough. Get get out there, Enjoy. tailgate. We, nice. we talked about it before the game uh, or before the, we started this, that, that Maryland's uh, open up tailgating at 3 o'clock. The lots are opening instead of 4 o'clock for an 8 o'clock game. So still not ideal, but Scott Van Pelt bullied somebody on Twitter <laughs> in the right way. So that's that's always a good thing. Shout out to Scott Van Pelt for getting me an extra hour of drinking. <laughs> um, so we'll be active. I obviously won't be as active on Twitter during the game, but check out our articles on BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. We all three have recent ones up there. My most recent one is previewing this Iowa game. Join the conversation on the message board before, during, and after Maryland's game against Iowa, and follow us on Twitter at TalkingTerpsBSL. For my co-hosts, Mike Popovic and Pat Donahue, I'm Zach Kiesel. Roll Terps.